Hallelujah. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to another night of the Kingdom Summit Series 2013. Amen. As we've gathered tonight, we are going back into our, our series, our Kingdom Summit Series, of which comprises of four different prongs or four different components that we will really be dealing with. There are four summits within this summits, Kingdom Summit series. And uh, one is the Singles Summit. Uh, another is the Economic Summit. Another is the Prayer Summit. And another, or the fourth one, is the Evangelistic Summit. Now, they're not necessarily going to be in those that order per se, but uh, we are on the Singles Summit right now. Amen. So I'm excited about the Word of God, and I'm ready to go into the word of the Lord. So let's, uh, let's pray and then let's see what the Lord will have for us tonight. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for allowing us to gather on this evening uh, for this Kingdom Summit series. I thank you that you have called this by your divine plan and order. Thank you, Lord, that this is what you have designed for this moment, for this season, for this hour for this people. And so, God, we come in obedience, oh God, to your word, to your will for our lives. I stand tonight, Lord God, to simply obey you and to declare this word to your people. And as we do so, Lord God, we know, Lord, that you will confirm your word with signs following. And so we bless you for that tonight. And so now we declare that none of the incorruptible seed of your word falls by the wayside and none falls into stony or thorny ground, but it will fall into good ground and produce a great harvest. Oh, God, we know that you're going to bring us up, oh, God, to the zenith, to the summits, to the mountain top experiences that you have called for in the word. So we know that as you have called for it, that we shall receive the transfer of it in our lives and we shall live higher than we've lived in the past. And so we thank you right now for the strategy and wisdom of your word that will come forth. We thank you, O oh God, for the sword that will also come forth because your word is a sword. That it will come forth and those things that have attached itself to us that should not be there. We know that your word will be able as a sword to go in to sensitive areas of our lives and very skillfully by the Holy Ghost begin to remove surgically, spiritually surgically, those things, oh God, that have attached itself to vital organs. And so we bless you tonight, oh God, because we see freedom, we see help, we see deliverance, we see anointing, we see your grace and favor, we see your power, we see you, Lord God, hallelujah, shining through. And so we bless you tonight, oh God, as we go into this word tonight, into our singles summit, God. Continue to let revelation knowledge flow freely in the name of Jesus, unhindered by anything at all. And so we bless you right now, God, that as we grasp 
what it is that you're saying to us. Thank you that our lives, oh God, will become better and we'll be able to minister, we'll be able to testify, we'll be able to live better lives being a witness, hallelujah, to the world. So we thank you for it right now and we give you praise, God, for it. We give you honor and glory for what you're doing. And we thank you right now for the privilege to be in a setting as such to receive your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. God bless you tonight. Come on, if you will, stand with me. Let's go into the word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter number 4. Philippians chapter number 4, we'll be looking at verses 10 through 13. Philippians 4, verses 10 through 13. When you have it, say, I have it. it. If you're still looking, say, I need more time. All right, I'll be reading from the King James Version of the Bible, starting there at verse number 10 of Philippians 4. And it reads, this is the Apostle Paul talking. He says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. Are you there? That now at the last, your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. We're going back into our Kingdom Summit series, and we're now on our Singles Summit. You may take your seats. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. We look there in the scripture where the Apostle Paul is talking to the church at Philippi. He writes this letter to them while he is in prison. And he speaks to them concerning their giving to him. And how that they, at one point in time, they had the liberty and freedom to give to him while he was there in prison. But then they were stopped their free will giving, their love giving to the Apostle Paul had ceased. They were stopped. They were not permitted any longer to give. So we're not letting, they were not letting anything, the soldiers, they were not letting anything come into uh, the prison for the Apostle Paul. And he begins to talk to them and he thanks them because things are flourishing again. Uh, They're able, he's able now to receive their gifts 
their offerings, the things that they're sending to him. But he makes it clear with them about his rejoicing. The Bible says that he's rejoicing now. He's saying, I'm rejoicing over the flourishing of the things happening and how that things are coming into me. But then he throws caution to the wind. He makes them to understand. He says, but not in respect of one. In other words, I'm not excited and happy uh, about concerning the flourishing because I was just in need and didn't know what to do. He says, no, no, let me, he shares with them his position. He says in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want. Then he tells them, for I have learned in whatever, whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. In other words, he's saying to them that even when they were uh, not allowed to give to him and the gifts that they were given were not able to come into him, he's letting them know he was still doing fine. That he had come to a place in his life where he's learned the lesson of contentment. Yeah. He says, I've learned how to be content, whatever state I am. In other words, he says, I know how to be fully supplied. I know how to be fully satisfied no matter what's going on in my life, no matter what the conditions are around me, no matter how things are on the good side or on the bad side. He says, I have learned how to be fully satisfied no matter what the conditions are. Fully satisfied. He says, I know how to live the best life. I know how to live at the top of life. No matter the conditions that are surrounding me. When people withhold things from me, that doesn't change my attitude or my emotion. He says, I know how to be content. Not just a settling for something. He says, no, no, I am fully satisfied. No matter what's going on, no matter who says what, no matter if it's a sunny day, whether it's a rainy day, come on, good news came in, bad news came in. He says, nothing was able to unset me. Nothing has is able to unset me. I'm not unsettled about anything. He said, now be, let be it known, I didn't just arrive here. He says, I've learned how to be content. So when you learn something, there is a process. Come on, tell somebody, when you learn something, there's a process. See, there's a process of learning, even when you and I went to school. Y'all, some y'all adults, y'all remember yes. school? Some of us still in school, yes. right? But there was a process of learning. There were certain things, say for instance, algebra and geometry. They could not give me algebra and geometry in the second grade. They couldn't give it to me because I wasn't fully developed to that point to be able to receive that. So I had to go through a learning, growing, developing process. And Paul says, I've learned how to be content. He said, this is learned. The way I am now is learned behavior. Been through a process. Somebody shout process. 
Okay. Now we're in our singles summit, so I want you to hear this now. Okay. It's a learned process. It's learned behavior. He says, I've learned how. He says, in, he says, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. He says, I know I've come to a place of knowing both how to be abased and how and know how to abound everywhere and in all things. My God, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He's saying now that I've come to this place in life, this position in life. I'm in prison right now. I'm in prison. I'm incarcerated right now, which means I don't have the freedom of moving around. I can't, I can't go any place I want to go. I can't go to this city or that city or to another city. I can't come to your house to visit or anything like that. He said, but me being restricted by this prison does not bind me. He said, the things that's most important are still free about me. That was good right there. Oh, man. You see the juice dripping off my finger. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was good right there. I didn't even mean that one. That just kind of came on out of my spirit. You know what I mean? But the things, the things that are most important about me are unaffected. The most important things about who I am, they are still free. So even though I am limited in my location, oh my God, I am not limited in what's really important about life. He's he's saying that my location has no bearing on my attitude. My location has no bearing on whether I'm going to love God today or not. My location doesn't have anything to do with my emotional stability. It doesn't define who I am. No. He says, I am fully satisfied right where I am. Hallelujah. Take away my food. I'm still full. Give me a plate of food. I'm still full. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm fully satisfied. That is a state of singleness. That's what it means to be single. So let me clarify what we're doing right now in our single summit. We are not qualifying you for marriage. We're actually qualifying you for living the highest life as a whole person. But I will add this, that once you become single, you are well qualified to be married. Let me throw this in there. Didn't mean this, but I'll just bring this on out. And that is this. If life is lived properly at the single state, it will be very difficult to remove you from that state into the marriage state. It should be very difficult to move you from 
the unmarried state into the marriage state when you are single. Remember, we define single to be whole, to be complete, to be entire, lacking nothing, able to stand alone. It should be very difficult for someone to move you out of the unmarried state into the marriage state or the marriage state when you are single. Because if you look at it right, if I'm whole, if I'm complete, if I'm lacking nothing, if I am entire, come on, if I'm able to stand alone, then, then, then what can someone bring to the table that's going to do any they can't do nothing to help me in those areas and that's who I really am the real order I don't even mean this but the real order is when God taps you on the shoulder and says it is not good that you should stay in this state not your not your search not your looking Oh, man, not your new dress. God should tap you on the shoulder and awaken you, come on, to purpose and assignment that you cannot do alone. God said it is not good that the man should be all one alone. And he didn't say lonely, by the way. He said alone. God said, who said it? God. Read your Bible. God is the one that came on this because, because I'm going to go back there in a minute. Adam was so whole. He was so complete. He was so entire, lacking nothing, able to stand alone that his consciousness was so focused on what he had to do to please the Lord that God had to interrupt him. And say, based upon purpose in life, you need partnership. You need another boat to help you to carry this thing to shore. Yeah. That was a sidebar. Let me get back in here. So when we're dealing with singleness, we're really dealing with being whole. Ain't afraid of nothing. Worked on, I've learned, I've worked on my life to such a degree that now I'm able to stand tall and confident. I'm able to speak to mountains and mountains move. Pain is trying to show up in my body. Uh, 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 uh. Don't even try it. Get out of here. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Whether you're the devil or whether you're just pain coming, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Y'all with me? When I'm whole, when I'm complete, things can happen in life that others are crying over and can't hardly make it. That we yet stand tall. Because the Apostle Paul said it like this. He's saying now, I'm not big-headed about my situation. He says that the way I'm able to accomplish what I'm accomplishing in my state right now, in my situation, in prison, is because, verse 13, I can do all 
all things, come on, through Christ. Strengthens me. I cannot do this on my own. It is the strength, oh my God, it is the strength of my Savior that enables me to make it through situations like this. In other words, we're getting, we're all getting pressed the same way. But I choose not to give in. I choose not to cave in because I choose not to do it on my own. I choose to do it through Christ who gives me the strength. Same wind, same trouble. I choose to stand. I have gone through a process, and in my process, I've learned how to depend on Jesus. I've learned in my process, I've learned that I come to the end of myself many times, and if I did not trust the Lord, it will have, t- it would have taken me down. How many of you understand that there are floors in your life? Okay, all right. Remember we talked. We, 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 remember we talked about. I think we talked about a little bit about the basement and the yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. There are there are floors in your life. Represent levels. The basement. First floor. I'm gonna take y'all up to a high. We talk about summit, right? We talk about mountaintop experiences, right? I'm gonna take you to a high rise. Thank you. So we, we talk. We talk about basement. Okay, we talk about basement, then we talk about first floor and second floor. How many of you ever been in a place where there were at least 10 or more floors in it? Yeah. Yeah. When I go to get rest sometimes and, and, and I go away and, and there's a hotel, I like to go up. I always tell the people at the desk, I don't know whatever room you got me in. I always tell them, okay, um, uh, you got something up on that 15th floor up there? I want to go as high as possible. Yes, Reverend Hodge, I think we do. Well, praise the Lord. How much does it cost? Go ahead. Here's the key, because you're going to need the key to go up. There are different levels and floors of our life. Those represent developmental stages. But you have to, my point for bringing it in at this point of this message is that you can get to the top of a floor. Because on a floor, there's always a floor and a ceiling. And you can get to the ceiling of the basement. (laughs) and at the ceiling of the basement means that is the highest point of that level and the highest point of any level is always extremely difficult yeah and the reason why the highest point on any level becomes more difficult than it is at the base of that level is because altitude, because of where we are, altitude, and then based upon the law of gravity, there's always something pulling you down. There is more weight the higher you go up. All right, okay, let me give you an understanding. I can stand on the top of this building and drop a penny and it'll have an impact. Okay? I can stand right in front of you and drop a penny in your hand and it'll have a separate impact. 
I can drop it into your hands now. And you're like, ooh, okay, no biggie. I stand on top of the building and drop it. It might put a dent in your hand. You may get cut. It may penetrate your hand because it's higher and the force of gravity gives it more weight, if that makes any sense, as it comes down. It is said that if a person stands at the top of the Empire State Building and drop a penny and it hits your head, it will go all through your body. Because of the law of gravity, the weight, as it comes down, it picks up velocity as it comes down. And that which put on a, on, on, on a, uh, a scale, which, which weighs virtually, I can't hardly read it on the scale, ends up being tons coming down. So with that weight at the top of the lower level, it's always difficult at the top of any level. And it is at the top of that level because it's so difficult that we have to make a decision whether we're going to be able to cross this threshold or not into the next level because it is so hard. The resistance is so much more than it was a few minutes ago. And I don't know if anybody's ever been in a situation where you are at, you were seemingly at the extreme. Oh my God. At the extreme of a place or position in your life unsure if you could really, really make it. But somehow, and you can't even explain how, somehow, some way, you were able to squeak out a prayer. You were able to put something out there. Some of you didn't, couldn't get the prayer out because you couldn't, you, you wasn't even sure, but you thought it. And as you thought it, there were others who were praying for you and just somehow, somehow, you crossed it. You crossed the threshold and you made it and you look back and you're trying to figure out, was it that bad? Because when you crossed the threshold of that line, you were in the next level at the base of that level. Well, the resistance was very mild. It seems once you cross over that it was that deep. Because you find out that all you had to do was just take a step over. It was just really a step. But in that step, there was so much resistance. I'll tell you how we got there. When we, when we died, I'm going back here now. When we died to the resistance. Watch, watch what I'm saying now. When we die, struggle comes when the flesh gets involved. Struggle is not the will of God. Struggle comes as a result of flesh intervention. That's when I try to rationalize it. That's when I go back to what I know. Used to lift weights some time ago. Seriously lift weights. And I remember trying to push up some weight. And I was, you know, I was struggling because I was really dependent on my strength. I really was. I was depending on. And uh, 
the guy I was working out with said, use your legs. <laughs> use your legs. I said, okay. And I, I said, oh, yeah. It just kind of went on up because I used my legs. Now, my only point for sharing that is that many times when the flesh gets in the way, we're trying to use our own strength. And we can't push this thing up that, we, that we're trying to get up. But then there's a simple modifying instruction that comes. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord is too simple. What do you mean trust the Lord? How do you trust the Lord? And while we're going through that process of rationalizing how we trust the Lord... It's more struggle because we're trying to rationalize how do you trust the Lord? And we're looking at trusting the Lord based upon trusting people. See, and then when we compare trusting the Lord with trusting people, then we lose, we lose the advantage that we have in the Lord. But trusting the Lord simply says, give up, die to yourself, let it go. We think if we let it go, it's going to crumble. And the Lord says, if you let it go, I'll push it up. So the apostle Paul says, I can do all things, come on, through Christ, who strengthens me, or one translation, who gives me the strength. Y'all with me? Oh, this is good. Oh, I'm loaded tonight. My gun is, I'm sorry, my, um. My spiritual ammo is loaded up in here. Genesis 2, go there. Y'all keeping up, right? Oh, my God. Genesis 2. Verse 15, glory to God. Now, don't forget now, as we're, as we're, as we're traveling through here now, I, I, I put it out there, but as we're traveling through, don't forget who the enemy is. The enemy is flesh. Flesh is an enemy of my progress in my single state. Flesh is an enemy to my wholeness. Flesh is an enemy to my completeness. Okay. My lower nature is an enemy. My sinful appetites, my lustful desires, they are an enemy to my wholeness, to my completeness. My flesh keeps me fragmented. The more flesh I have or am, the more flesh I will attract. Yet the moment I die to my flesh, the spirit comes alive. Hallelujah. This is good. Look at what it says there in Genesis 2. Starting at verse number 15, of course, this is now when uh, God in chapter 1 has a conference 
uh, amongst himself. Let us make man. He does creation. Uh, first five days, he creates everything. Then the sixth day, he creates man. The seventh day, he rests. Said, let, you know, and after he did that, man is a pot of clay standing up like a statue with no animation, just a, just some dirt. Just not even, I'm sorry, he wasn't even material. He was in the mind of God. Forgive me. That's, that's basic understanding. I'm sorry. He was still yet in the mind of God. Then transitioning into chapter two, we find out that it is then that God scoops up from the dust of the ground and he puts this, this, this red clay, if you will, he takes this dirt, this clay, and he forms it. He, 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 yeah, he, he takes this stuff and he begins to mold clay. You, you know what I mean? Clay. Clay. I have a song that the Lord gave me some years ago entitled Broken Pieces. And there's a need, the song speaks of a need to be put back together again. Of course, that's that Jeremiah experience. But it's the pot of clay. God picks up the dirt and he puts it together anybody from down south have y'all ever seen some red red clay that red 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 any okay y'all y'all ever eat any of it all right let me see the hand I, 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 some of y'all are familiar with it right mm-hmm. who ate it let me keep the hand up whoever ate it okay i know i'm 13 but i ate it too okay i'm 13 years old plus but i i had red dirt okay that's right. We knew where to go. I was sent many times to go get it. It was just right on the road. On the railroad track. Ha! Get right down there, South Carolina. They told my, my, my grandmother would tell me where to go to get it. I'd get it. She'd bring it back. And we're sitting up in the house eating dirt. Okay, it's a whole nother story. It was sparkly. It looked like it had, looked like it had little sparkles in it in different places. Okay. God scooped it up. He scooped it up. He scooped it up, right? Formed man. The Bible says from the dust of the ground. And then blew into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living nephish. He became a living soul. He became like God. It was the Holy Spirit. Wind, spirit, pneuma, God's breath, blown into this man, and he, and his insides that was dirt took on the form of flesh when spirit hit the dirt. If everything started forming and lungs and heart, this was there, just kind of showed up and pancreas and kidney and all the stuff started just kind of showing up, you know what I mean? Flesh and sinew and bone, all that kind of stuff. Cause there was no bone in that man. He took dirt, blew into him, bone showed up. Spirit of the Lord produced bone in the man. Blew into him, all of a sudden blood started flowing through, circulating through his system. You, you know what I mean? Man could touch something. He could feel things. This sensation now in his touch, he can feel things now. Man is like God. Got God's spirit in him. Thinks like God. Okay, that's just too good. That's, that's, ooh, ooh. I can get stuck right there. But here it is now that God now, after he does that, Talks about the rivers and all this stuff connecting all that. And then God said, God, the Bible says that Moses said of God that he put man in the garden. Where the garden come from? 
Another subject. He put man, put man in the garden. Part of God's creation. Put him in the garden to dress it and keep it. Okay? To dress it and keep it. Gave him responsibility. All right? Now, let's look at this there in verse number 15. It says now, and the Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden. The word Eden, if you want to write it down, the word Eden means place of delight. Place of delight. You look at other translations, it'll say delightful land or delightsome land. It's a place of delight. God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep him, keep it. Then the Lord commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, thou mayest freely eat. Is that in your Bible? But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Who's talking here? God is talking. More specifically, you see the word Lord. When you see the the word Lord, now you're speaking in terms of domination, kingdom. Lord. The one who's in charge. You're, You're thinking, you're thinking ruler, Lord. Okay? He says in verse 18, in verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be, come on, alone. I will make him and help meet for him. Okay. There are three points that I left you with last time. Three points. The first point, we're talking now from these three verses, 15, 16, these four verses, excuse me, 15, 16, 17, and 18. I want to pull out the qualities of a single or whole person. Number one, there's three things I want to extract here. Three things. First, stewardship. Second, they're all S's, self-control. Third, suitability. Three qualities of a single or whole person. Number one, Stewardship. Number two, self-control. Number three, suitability. Y'all ready? Number one, dealing with stewardship. The Bible says there in verse number 15, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. That God gave him responsibility. Gave him responsibility. Watch this now. And made him accountable to him. The term Lord. Please don't lose this. Don't drop it either. Don't drop it. Don't drop it. While you're walking. Don't lose this. That term Lord. Let's us in. On stewardship. It lets us in. Because now. There, there is someone. If there is a Lord. There also has to be a servant. If there is a Lord, there also has to be a servant. And if there is a servant, 
the weighing of a good servant is based upon the servant's stewardship. Mm. Based upon the servant's stewardship, his management of what the Lord gives him. Lord deals with ownership. So we got Lord, King, Kingdom. We have Lord, Ownership. Lord, He who is in charge. And if there is a Lord, then there has to be a servant. And if there is a servant then there is responsibility and accountability. Y'all, please get that. I'm talking about qualities of being single. Oh, my God. This is a summit, y'all. We're going to the top. I'm not going to live low anymore. Stewardship. God took that man, put him in the garden of Eden, place of delight, to dress it and keep it. To take care of it, to protect it. Responsibility, accountability. A person who is single, when it comes down to stewardship, oh my Lord, has to now give an account for what they do. You have to be accountable. Give an account. Giving an account doesn't make you less of anything. And what I found out is that believers, I need this is a believers meeting here. Believers have a problem being accountable. They assess who's in charge, and based upon their assessment on who's in charge, they determine whether they're going to be accountable or not. Not realizing that this is a plan of God, and the assessment has already been made, that's why the scenario is the way it is. The response of a servant is to be accountable and responsible. Not to be in charge. Not to be the owner. It is irrelevant who is over you. It is how you respond to who is over you. Do you not know that God allows people to be in government? And in places where the leader of that thing or organization or that government may be evil. And may not have your best interest at heart. Do you not know and understand that that is by divine order of God? And it is how God is not looking. God is dealing with them with their tyrant acting self. But he is also looking at your response as a servant under that type of rule. Are y'all, y'all with me? I can't understand, I can't believe that everyone in here has had a boss who was great to you. 
Some of us had to work in some very difficult conditions under a hard taskmaster. Wishing you could find another job. It got quiet on that. But, but it's okay. And I've discovered that many times no other job openings happen because God was trying to see if he could trust you in a situation that is not in your favor. A whole person, a single person, doesn't matter if they come on, Paul, talk back to me. Doesn't matter if they're in a prison. Come on, Philippian church. Paul says, I've learned how to be content in whatever state therewith I am. Contentment is not based upon my condition. Contentment is based upon me, how whole, how complete I am. Because my supply is not from the guards. You might print up my paycheck and you might put it in my hands. But you ain't the big boss. You are not my source. Because if I have to depend on you and you forget to pay me. If I'm not whole, I'm coming after you. But if I'm whole, I don't have to come into payroll ranting and raving about my paycheck because you were never my source anyway. I don't have to stand on the cabinet on the counter in payroll making a fuss about how you short my check $50. I know I'm in some of y'all houses right now and on your job too. No, because you are never my source. Because at the end of the day, if they can't produce the check that day, you ain't getting nothing anyway. You just got mad. And you may have had to go out there in handcuffs. Because how crazy? Okay. We acted. You follow me? Yeah. Not my source anyway. You can scoop me some food up underneath the cell if you want. You know, do a little flap and put me some slop in there if you want. But let me tell you something. You ain't controlling my destiny, pal. I might be in here, but you're not controlling my destiny. Mm-mm. Because I know, come on, y'all. Come on, come on, come on, say, Pastor, know something. I know that God, if I pray, come on, come on, Paul and Silas. He doesn't have the experience. I know that if I pray, if I praise, if I worship, if God wanted to, and an earthquake can shake this place, come on, and the prison doors can open, and I can come out, I know that can happen. So you don't control. Because I'm whole. Because I'm complete. I'm not saying that you can't. I'm not saying that you can't present your rebuttal on the situation. But if your heart is set up on that and it don't work in your favor, you'll be you'll be in trouble. 
Hallelujah. 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 Okay. Stewardship. Everybody says stewardship. Is a servant. So now we see Adam really is a servant. He's been given responsibility. He, responsibility. Now, let me, let me move. I've got to transition. Accountability. Accountability is to give a report as a subordinate. To give a report of my activity, I'll add that, as a subordinate. Some of y'all get that on the way home, or when you sit down and meditate, you'll see that thing burst open and come alive. Accountability simply means that as a servant, I give an account of what I've done from the position of submission. I'm going to chase it. I have to. To be whole, you got to know how to submit. Submission to a whole person means opportunity. Tell you, submission to a whole person means opportunity. It translates opportunity to that person. When a single person, when a person who is whole and complete, when they have find themselves in a position where they have to submit, they see it as an opportunity. I'm going to tell you why. Because the moment, all right, the moment, who can I use here? Let me use Joel. Stand, stand brother Joel. Now, at this point and stage, of Brother Slowly's life, at the age that he is, he has accomplished many things in his life, which is the sum total of what he's doing right now. At home, on his job, his family life with his parents and his, and his relatives, All of his actions now, all of what he manifests now. Okay, he was on on basketball court outside Sunday. He's got some skills. Okay, he's very tenacious. When I say tenacious, I'm serious. I'm not just, he's very tenacious. He's a tenacious defender. And he's a good ball player. But those, that tenacity and that goodness that he is in the ball is an attribute that carries over in other aspects of his life. Amen. Amen. So all that he is right now and all that he has achieved right now, I can get the benefit of all of his experience the moment I submit to him. Because my submitting to him says he has now given me the right to what he has. 
I now have the right to what he has. So whatever I don't have, by virtue of my submission to him, I do have. So now, I may not have had the education he has, but when I submit to him, I got it all. Because I now have access through submission. Thank you. So submission gives me the, allows me to get the benefit of who you are into my life. Oh, that's too good right there. My little finger dripping on that one. That's brown gravy on that one. I thought I'd say that to Brother Tim. That's good stuff. Huh. So the moment I submit, see, submission to a whole person is opportunity. They get excited when they have an opportunity to submit. To submit. Because they see it now. Oh, my God. Oh, they, they see it as something good. But a person who's not whole and have to submit, now they see it as, mm. they're cutting their eye. Who they think? I'm just as old as they are. In fact, I'm older. He put his pants on just like I put mine on, one leg at a time. What makes him so special? What makes her so special? She got to put on the same little thing up underneath that I got to put on up underneath too. I got to, I got to do all that. What makes him more different? Hey, makes him more different. Than, you know what I mean? Because we start looking, we start examining them from the flesh and now when we examine from the flesh we have to measure for equality and once I allow the flesh now to be my gauge now we have to be equal now and here's what happens the flesh cancels out opportunity I don't think I've taught this good in my life before no, I'm, I, I, I'm, I don't know why I even said that. I just feel good about I feel like something's happening. The flesh cancels out opportunity. My God. So when, as I'm dealing with stewardship, I'm still there, and I'm on accountability... I, I give an account of my activities as a subordinate. There's a difference, though, when I move from accountability to responsibility. Because they're not the same things. Responsibility, now I'm still talking about stewardship now. I'm talking about being single, whole. Y'all with me? responsibility, okay, we'll break it down this way and then we'll deal with it, is my ability to respond. Okay? My ability to respond. You give me a task, it is me accomplishing, here's responsibility, it is me accomplishing what you have assigned to my hands. That's responsibility. Okay? Now watch, watch what I do now with this accountability. Now, remember, responsibility is my ability to respond. It is my ability to accomplish, to complete the task assigned to my hands. Right? 
But here is the issue with responsibility without accountability. The issue is this, that I can complete a task that you have given me. And if I don't have to be accountable for it, I can do it in a sloppy way. But I finished it. You cannot say that I didn't complete what you put at my hand, what you gave me to do. I finished it. Did I not finish it? Yes, you did. Accountability says because you are giving an account of your task as a subordinate, then the Lord, using the scripture, the one who is in charge now through that accountability process says, yes, you completed it, but the standard is excellence. So you finished it, but now your accountability, you're being accountable to me says, I now have the right, because you're a subordinate, I have the right now to remind you of the standard whereby we operate. Y'all with me? To the trainer in the rear, am I doing okay with this? Okay, okay. So accountability and responsibility are two separate things, but they're both needed. They bring, oh my Lord, help me right here. Don't let me fall. Accountability and responsibility brings safety to the servant. Oh, Lord, this is too much for me. Bishop Menzer said, you're too much. Y'all with me? Let me go to number two, but let me finish number one. Stewardship is the confidence and trust of the owner. Number two. (laughs) Wow. I'm still pulling from Genesis 2, 15 through 18. Okay. Number two says (laughs) self-control. Look at what it says there in verse number 16. And the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree. Y'all see that? Is that in your Bible? Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. So if we would stop there, then that would simply tell us that every tree in the garden we can freely eat from, right? right? Adam can freely eat from every tree if we stop there. But he didn't. He said, verse 17, but, which cancels out, modifies, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, what happens? There's a consequence. Thou shalt surely die. You see that, right? You see that in 16 and 17, right? God tells them about trees, every tree you can eat of, but there's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil that you cannot eat of. The day you eat of it, you'll surely die. So there is a tree that you cannot eat from. A tree. All the others you can, but the one that's in the midst, middle, don't eat. The day you eat, you will surely die. The Lord says, the Lord says, the owner says, 
the king says. The one who rules the domain says. Hmm. Okay. So then number two, we'll pull from 16 and 17, is self-control. Second quality that we're pulling out of a single person or a whole person is that that person has, possesses self-control. Now, self-control doesn't mean anything unless there is another option. (laughs) Self-control is non-existent until there's another option. So he he didn't have to worry about self-control until the Lord said, but. Till there was another option presented. Y'all a little chilly? Somebody a little chilly? Because right. I need y'all to hear me. I don't, I don't, I, I don't want y'all to be freezing again. Pastor, I was there, but you know, it was just so cold up in there. I was trying to hear, I trying to listen. <laughs> There's an amen coming from a corner of the middle section to my left, your right. Uh, did y'all hear that amen? Yeah. Um, okay, let's, let's, let's go. I need to dig back in. I don't want to lose this momentum here. Right Self-control means nothing until there's another option presented. Eat of every tree, but tree of knowledge of good and evil, don't eat. Day you eat, you surely die. Now self-control has to step to the table. What is self-control? Can I give you a working definition that, that I'm working with that the Spirit of God kind of dropped in my heart? Self-control <clears throat> breaks out like this. Write it like this. and I'm, I'm just going to start it like this. Let me see how I want to say it first. Let me look at it. Because I gave it to you last week, but let me. Okay, it's a statement that I have next to self-control. Temptation is the barbell. I can't wait to get into this. Temptation is the barbell that keeps us toned and tuned up. For times of resistance. i say it again. Temptation is the barbell. It's like a weight. That keeps us tuned, excuse me, toned up and tuned up for times of resistance. Let me say it again. Temptation is the barbell that keeps us toned up and tuned up for times of resistance. When God said, 
of every tree you can eat, 16. And then said, but 17 of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't eat because you'll surely die. It also allowed the presentation of temptation. Okay. Because now, because there's another option, I have this tendency to eat of everything because you told me I could. And you told me that first. You didn't tell me 17 first and then 16. You told me 16 first and then you told me 17. So you got my mouth watering now for everything. So the moment you tell me I can have it all, my posture goes this way. I'm leaning towards it now. I want it now. I, I, you know what I mean? I, I have this, this, this tendency now for it all. Because uh-huh. you told me that first. Yeah. I didn't know to brace myself for something else. Uh-huh. You told me I can eat everything. And you told me that first. Right. So when you told me that first, my expectation rose. Uh-huh. My body started leaning towards it. My mouth start watering for everything. My whole insides start clicking towards it all. Everything about me says I can have it all. So I'm already bending that way. I'm already leaning in that direction. I'm already, come on, it's almost like, not off balance, but it's almost like I'm there. You have caused me to have an expectation for everything now. You got me leaning towards everything now. I need you all to, to, to follow me here. I'm leaning towards everything now. I have a desire for everything now because you told me I could. So it's a righteous desire for everything now. But then you threw another verse or you threw something else in and you said, but. Now, I'm leaning this way. I've shifted my life towards it all. But now you're saying, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, I can't eat. You told me now that if I eat from it, I'm going to surely die. How do I really recalibrate from that? How do I readjust myself now from that? Because now, here who comes in? Temptation. Hmm. But watch this. If I see temptation correctly, I'm a whole person, y'all. I'm a single person. Don't forget that. I can't look at this from my flesh. Okay? Because if I look at it from my flesh, I'm going to despise temptation. if i look at it from my flesh i'm trying to find an exit from it if i'm looking at it from my flesh Hmm. but if i'm looking at it as a whole person as a single person then temptation 
also is an opportunity. Come on, y'all. If I'm a whole person and I see temptation coming, I get excited. Because it is an opportunity for new strength. Temptation now becomes the weight or the barbell that I need because in me is more than meets the eye. You don't see all of me right now because what God put inside of me is in a concentrated form. And to get the best out of me, you have to add water. <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't resist that. I, I, to, to, to get my full strength of what this is inside of me, you got to add water, so to speak. In other words, you have to put pressure on me. I need... The right, it's an opportunity now to express more, come on, of who I really am. And if I, God help me, I'm about to run. If I see temptation right, it becomes an open door, a blessing for me. God is about to reward me. I feel like staying on this table. About to reward me. Oh my God. God's about to reward me for my good stewardship. As a result of the temptation. When it comes, it now gives me an opportunity to express more, which means that where I am now, I have maxed it out and it's time for a new level in God. So temptation says new level ahead. Bible said of Jesus when he came up out of the water after John the Baptist baptized him. The heavens open. Oh my God. God spoke. This is my beloved son. Who I'm well pleased. And the spirit of the Lord. Come on. Leads him into the wilderness. To be tempted of the devil. Because now is the start of a new beginning of the man's ministry. It is now the test. For next level ministry. It is the pressure that Jesus needs upon him. So he can push back to release more of who he is. Oh my God. Hallelujah. Jesus didn't do an old man when that happened. He didn't go, oh, shucks. He didn't say, why me, God? Why me? No, 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 no. 
He knew that this was opportunity time that would bring him to the next level of his life, initiating his ministry. Temptation is the barbell that keeps us toned up and tuned up for times of resistance. Every time temptation comes, it's the right pressure that I need that keeps me toned, keeps me toned, keeps me nice and round, keeps me toned, and it keeps me tuned Come on, y'all. It keeps me tuned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps me to tap in. Come on, come on, come on. To the right frequencies, to the frequencies that I need. You know what I mean? To to do what I need to do. Temptation helps me. So when I exhibit self-control, that just simply means That just simply means you can't stop me. You're not bringing me out of who I am. I work too hard to get whole. You're not causing me to come out of character, put my salvation on a shelf for a minute. No, no, I am not getting out of character. You bring on whatever you want. Let the winds blow. The only thing that the wind of temptation is going to do is going to cause me to be strengthened for the next time where I can resist again. But the apostle Paul said later on in his letter. No, I believe that was James. Resist the devil, he'll flee. Yeah. Peter said it too. Yeah. James said it, and Peter, well, James, Jesus, brother, said it. Peter said it. Yeah. Resist the devil, he'll flee. Yeah. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Jesus, as a result of the temptation, mm-hmm. resisted the devil. What did it say in Matthew 4? And the devil fl- fled from him. Resistance, self-control. You can't make me go off on you. I know you want me to. I know you're pushing me to. Mm-hmm. All that stuff you're doing right now, poking me in the side. I know. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to. You're trying to urge me. You're trying to. I know what you're trying. You're trying to get me. You're trying to nag me to the point. You're trying to push me to the edge. But the joke's on you, devil. All right, let me close here. I got four minutes. Let me close. Y'all with me? Number three is suitability. Looking at the quality, three qualities of a single or whole person. We said number one was stewardship. Number two was self-control. Number three is suitability. 
suitability is the standard or criteria. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, I'm sorry. It is a standard or criteria for compatibility for relationships. The standard or, oh, you know what? It's not is. Let me say it the right way. Suitability hyphen. The stand, here's a statement. The standard or criteria for compatibility for relationships are inside of you. I'm so, I said it wrong at first. As I'm talking about suitability, here's my statement that goes along with suitability. The standard or criteria for compatibility for relationships are inside of you. Okay, I'm going to have to dig into that deeper tomorrow night. Because some people, when you look at that at first, you think I'm talking about male-female relationships, and I ain't even talking about that. I'm not even talking about that. But what I am saying is that there is a criteria inside of a whole person. There is a standard that lives inside of a whole person that becomes the compass of connecting with people and things in life. In other words, whole people connect to right people and things. Period. And I got to stop because my time is up. Hallelujah. Did y'all get that tonight? Oh, 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 oh. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, let me pray and seal this in. I know that seems to be a little unfair to just stop abruptly like that. But I, I, I want to make sure that as we're logging this down and we're recording this, that you have it where you can study it all the way through.